0: Thanks again for
1: joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I of course am your host, Mike Bauman, whoever you are, wherever you are listening from. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener, of March 4th, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th pod on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman, and the host site is march4th.podbean.com. The links will be in the podcast description. You made it here, so you found me somehow, and I greatly appreciate you guys joining me for another dish of March 4th, man. Um, I hope everybody's doing, doing well out there. Uh, I got a lot of energy today. I had a nice workout tonight, had a good conversation with one of my best buddies in the world, Davo. We were talking about music and football and life and you know, it's, we all have those friends, man, that we can count on one hand who are just like ride or dies. You know what I'm saying? And Dave is one of my ride or dies. We share a love for heavy music. And I was talking to him about the new Bad Wolves record, Dear Monsters. So Ooh, excuse me, a little eggs and salsa coming up after my post-workout meal. Um, but I was talking to him about the new Bad Wolves record. Uh, I really love it. I, I I think it's probably my favorite album from them so far, honestly. Like, just the balance of the heaviness and the melody. And um, I've got so much respect for those dudes. Doc has been on this show uh, a number of times. Mike, why don't you just pick up that name you just dropped? But uh, shout out to Doc Coyle and the X-Man podcast. His podcast is great. But I love that record, so... So yeah, I just feel good, man. I had a nice little little workout in. Uh, just trying to maintain. You know what I mean, you guys? I'm 33 now. I'm approaching my mid 30s, and I'm not like sad about that. People are like, "Oh, I'm getting older. Another year, another day, another dollar." Eor, won't, oh, will oh, won't. Oh. Like, no, man. Like, I'm upbeat. You know what I mean? I take care of myself. I'm not out here trying to get yoked. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to eat, like, 9,000 calories a day. I don't make enough money to buy that kind of food. You know what I'm saying? And beyond that, like, honestly, I don't even know when I would leave the bathroom if I ate that much. Uh, probably a little TMI for everybody listening. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm just trying to maintain. You know what I mean? I drink a lot of water. I still got the baby face going. I feel like I could pass for, like, 26, maybe even younger with, like, a clean shave. I might look, like, 20, 25, 24. You know, it's a good thing. I think I could pass for 25. You know, when you're my age and you still get carded, it's like a badge of honor. You know what I mean? Like, cool, cool. I still look young. I still look like, like I could, you know, like I could hang. But really, I could hang until like midnight. And then I'm like, okay, where's the door? You know, I want to get home, maybe eat a little Ben and Jerry's, fall asleep watching some Netflix. That's a good night. You know what I mean? The two thirty, three thirty a.m., you know, everybody's singing, you know. Dun, 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 you know, it's a, it's too crazy for me. I, I'm I'm done with the crazy. You know what I'm saying? I I just want like warmth and love and light. You know what I'm saying? I want like I want like Hallmark Channel type vibes. You know what I mean? When I come home, I don't want all the craziness. I just I just want chill vibes. You know what I'm saying? Chill vibes. Anyway, where was I going with that? But yeah, so I'm in a I'm in a good mood, y'all. And uh, it's been a weird year to say the least. I am not one to air private matters in a public forum like this because I just don't handle my business like that you know Um, I think there's a good balance between like being vulnerable and being honest with um, people you trust and and, and in terms of like this podcast since this is you know my platform I guess you could say which sounds weird to say like my platform because when you hear the word platform you think like above and I'm not above anybody I ain't above any of you you know what I mean But just this is my creative vehicle. How about that? How about that for little public relations uh, type of stuff? But you know, even on a even on a thing like this, that's that's public, and I'm putting it out there to people um, like yourselves who are kind enough to listen to me rant and do this show. You know, I don't air a lot of my private stuff because I just don't think that that's a good way to handle your business as a human being. But but at the same time, to connect with people, I do think you have to be vulnerable. I think that's what makes us all human is uh you know are our flaws you know and and people you know i think you when you look at the relationships in your life and like your really good friends uh you know members of your family maybe a significant other that vulnerability with that person or those people is what builds that connection in a positive way so i've tried to strike a positive balance with that on this show in terms of trying to relate and connect with people out there who listen to this because obviously the theme of this show is perseverance and moving forward and um, I'm trying to do that myself and the irony of that you guys is that uh, 2021 has uh, definitely exemplified the theme of this podcast for me between you know the lingering pandemic um, uh, some heartbreak I went through uh, deaths um, you know my grandmother uh, on my dad's side, passed away last week. That's actually why I'm releasing this episode two days later this week. Normally I, I put these bad boys out on Tuesday, and this week it's coming out on a Thursday just because uh, I was home to spend time with family and be there for my father and my aunt, my uncle, and our family, you know, and the, and what they were going through uh, with the loss of, of my grandma. And, uh, you know, one of my really good friends from from back home in Ohio, who I worked for, he was my boss at Toledo Sports Network for a number of years. Shout out Mike Jamison. You know his daughter passed away right at the beginning of the year. So, you know, it, it really in a lot of ways for me, man, 2021 has been more difficult and much more of an emotional roller coaster than even 2020 was. To be honest, uh, 2020 was a lot of isolation, but it also birthed, you know, me really getting back into this podcast full swing. And 2021, I feel like, uh, creatively, I feel like I've really been in in a lot of, uh, you know, I've had like a good flow going with that. I don't know if you'd say like a flow state. I don't know. You know, I'm not well versed enough on those kind of subjects to just throw those out there and say that. Uh, I don't speak on things. I don't know. Um, but, but, but the podcast has been a great creative outlet for me, man. It's been a, I feel like things have really been flowing, but in terms of like my personal life and like, um, just, uh, again, just, just death and, and even in my, you know, extended family, my brother and, and, you know, his, his side of the family and, and the, the, the amount of death that's happened in the last year and just, uh, you know, my other grandma just turned 93 on the 24th. Um, you know, I'm 33 now, like I just, it's just been kind of this, this weird year where I've been really conscious, I guess, of time and mortality, um, you know, getting blindsided by heartbreak and, you know, um, and dealing with, with the emotions that come from losing, you know, somebody that, that, uh, I, I loved with my whole heart who, you know, part of whom, you know, part of me will, will always, will, will always love her. Uh, it's just, it's just been kind of weird and, and been a bit of an emotional roller coaster, you know, not to sound dramatic, but it has been. But, um, I say all that to say that, um, I'm in a really good place right now. You know, there's two months left in this year. And I really think that, um, I've grown a lot on a personal level. I think, you know, the great thing about, um, it's like that old cliche, you know, the great thing about rock bottom is that you've got nowhere to go, but up. And, um, I've gotten hit with a lot of waves this year, but, Um, I'm nothing if not loyal y'all to the ones that I love. And, um, and I also think I'm a pretty resilient dude. You know what I'm saying? I've had a great life and I've got a great inner circle, but uh, I'm a resilient guy and I, I keep getting back up, man. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the fastest. I'm not the smartest, but I'll tell you what, man, I'm a tough out, you know, and this podcast and you know, doing these shows and watching it grow little by little um, has been uh, really inspiring um, for me to just keep doing what I love. And uh, I really mean it. I want you guys to know that when I say that I thank you all for listening to the show, whether I know you, whether you're family or friends of mine or or people out there who I don't know. And it's always a trip to me when I see people listening from different countries around the world, man. I want to say that I truly, truly thank you all, and I love you all, and I appreciate you guys joining me on this ride. Because, uh, you know, while it's been a bumpy one at times in 2021, and it's it's certainly been one of the more, if not the most, challenging year of my life, there's been a lot of growth on a personal level, and I I owe it, you know, to the ones who have stuck by me, my family, and my friends, but I also owe a lot of it to all of you who listen to this podcast because it's been a great creative outlet and positive release for me. It's been something that I can turn to and have. In this difficult year. And uh, it wouldn't be possible without the people who support me, including those of you who listen to the show. So I thank you all from the bottom of my heart, man. And speaking of just thank yous and being grateful and turning negatives into a positive, this week's guest is somebody who also really exemplifies the theme of this podcast that being, you know, perseverance and moving forward. And he is none other than Doug Heiser. This guy is based in the Toronto, Canada area, and he came out with a musical project this year under the name Co Hill. The album, Volume 1, maybe next year, just released in September, on September 10th, so it's been out, you know, just under two months. And he is a very talented guitar player. I absolutely love the guitar tones on this record. It's just like, it's just so in my wheelhouse. This project is it's got elements of post-hardcore, pop-punk, alternative rock, emo, there's also like hard rock in there for sure, some metalcore elements. And I don't want to give too much away in the intro, but um he turned a negative into a positive, you know, this is a guy who's a talented musician. Uh he's 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 just he's got a lot of flavor on the guitar. I I don't even know how to put it into words, like He's somebody that when you listen to him, you know he practices his instrument, you know he loves music. You don't get as good as he is without putting the time in and also having love in your heart and the desire to do it. Um his other band, Southern Smoke, has got like that real kind of southern rock, bluesy, you know, uh if you you know, if you're familiar with He is Legend and Every Time I Die, Maylene, you know, bands like that. Southern smoke is in that in is in that flavor, and uh, this Co Hill project was was dug really you know taking the pandemic and turning it into a positive and collaborating with different artists to put out a really, really cool e p so we talk about that, we talk about his journey with music, and it was just a fun conversation with a really great dude, really humble dude, but also a really talented musician and uh, I was so excited to get him on this podcast so without further ado. I'm going to show my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Doug Heiser of Cole Hill. Here it is. All righty. Well, yeah, Doug, thank you uh, again for the time in, like we were talking about before we actually got the ball rolling for this. Um, I, I love hard rock, I love metal, I love hardcore, you know, post-hardcore pop punk. And and this Co-Hill EP, um, Volume 1, maybe next year, really, I feel like has all of that thrown in a blender. And it came out amazing. The guitar tones are great. And uh, I try to be conscious because I usually say a lot before I actually ask a question. So <laughs> I, I do want to get into all of that. But uh, just to start with you, man, you know, for people listening, you're you're in Toronto, Canada, and I always like to ask people, what was what was the the bug that bit you as far as uh, music? What's what's your earliest musical memory?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you're welcome. So yeah, I guess it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess there's a few ways you can answer answer the the first musical memory. I think the earliest earliest memory is uh, probably playing recorder in grade four and five, uh, part of go. the curriculum. Uh, but I think getting a bit more in-depth into it, I think a lot of people kind of our age, we're a similar age, a, a big tipping point for us in getting into alternative music, I think was the Tony Hawk Pro Skater Series. I think I got into skateboarding and then getting into the game, you hear Rage Against the Machine, Refuse, like those songs, uh, Anthrax, Bring the Noise. Like hearing those was just so out of the realm of what my parents were listening to, had on the radio in the car. And kind of opened my eyes early on oh there's something a bit edgier I like what I'm hearing um there and then I'd say when it, the actual point of me getting into music uh buying physical CDs actually kind of following bands at that point probably took place for me in about I want to say seventh grade in and around there um and a huge vivid memory of uh in Canada we have a channel called Much Music which is would be our equivalent of MTV to you guys, although we have both channels. Um, And I remember the Somewhere I Belong music video coming on TV while I was passing through the channels um, and just being like, whoa, what is this song I'm hearing? I remember like so vividly being at my grandma's house and seeing that on her old TV of like that song just captivated me. And I told my mom was like, we have to go buy the CD right now. And like, she actually took me to the mall in Ottawa, um, which is North of Toronto for the American view listeners uh, provide some geographic context. Um, Yeah. She took me to the mall and I bought that CD and was just so invested in Lincoln park as like my starting point, as I think a lot of people were. Um, And that was really the gateway drug for me to getting into alternative music um, and then from there, it went into, like, uh, more so pop punk, Good Charlotte, Blink-182, Sum 41 were the be-all end-all at that time. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really what set the tone um, getting into the scene.
1: Yeah, they uh, that pop punk scene, man, was huge. Um, uh, Enema of the State, I think, came out in, like, 99 or 98, 99, 2000 in there. I remember being, like, fifth, sixth grade and at, like, the height of, uh, like, you know, TRL with Carson Daly and MTV and the Blink guys. Uh I still remember the video, what was it for all the small things where they had kind of taken mm-hmm. they had, you know, kind of parodied like all these other, you know, yeah, the boy band parodies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you're not the first one to mention Lincoln Park either. I've had, I've had a few different artists now talk about that influence. Um which is crazy. That, that makes me feel old to think that what was it last year? Hybrid theory just turned 20 years old in 2020. I think, um,
2: something like that, maybe even uh, the year before, um, possibly, but yeah, that, they, that 20 anniversary came around. I'm
1: trying, I, I think I, I'm trying to remember the first song that I heard. I, I remember, I remember, uh, seeing the, cause I, I, I remember visually how that video looked was uh, one step closer you know and just that 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 yeah yeah it was it was so catchy and then um when chester starts screaming it was like oh my gosh it was just uh th- that song takes me right back to that to that era i was in like 6th 7th grade at the time um but yeah such a such a seminal record um so then when when did you actually start playing then you yeah, cuz you play guitar for the listeners right
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I play guitar and then I can noodle bass and rock form on root notes and and some other stuff, but don't really consider myself a bass player per se. Um, So instrument wise, like my progression really went from in middle school, I had to play an instrument in uh, school. So uh, yeah, I got assigned actually trombone. (laughs) Okay. Trombone was my gateway into becoming musical, being able to read sheet music, count time, learning theory, Um, And so I did trombone for, I played that from grade six through grade 12. Um, And during that time, uh, my family moved from uh, Canada to Connecticut. So I actually lived in the States for eight years Um, and I did not want to move. I was so against moving. Um, And one of my contingencies and deals I made with my parents was that if I'm moving, you're buying me a guitar, and you're getting me lessons, because I (laughs) I really wanted to to learn guitar. Um, And so that was like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to leverage the move I don't want to do it and force them to buy me a guitar. Um, And that's really how I got into it. So once we moved to the States, we went to um, a local music shop, um, bought an acoustic guitar at the time, and they signed me up for lessons. And then it was really a combination of uh, lessons. And YouTube was uh, really gaining legs at that time uh, where you could watch and learn things online as well as through tabs um, kind of dating myself, thinking about how archaic YouTube was back then. But uh, <laughs> uh, so it was a combination of lessons and self-taught.
1: What was, what was the first song that you really learned?
2: The first song I learned was Californication by Red Hot Chili Peppers. And that was the the song that wanted, I wanted to learn. So I was like, if I'm getting guitar guitar, I have to learn how to play the song. It's just like the most, one of the most amazing guitar riffs and intros and the solo, like everything about it to me at the time, I still think it's an amazing album um, an amazing song. But at that time I was super into Red Hot Chili Peppers as well and just had to learn that song. Um, And I think like probably the first five or 10 songs I learned were all Chili Peppers and it's, they're actually a great band for a starting guitar player because they're they're real easy wrists. They're notable. So it's fun to learn because you can play it for your friends and family and everyone knows what you're playing. So I find Red Hot Chili Peppers are a great, uh, intro, uh, for a starting guitar player.
1: Yeah. Again, another awesome, awesome band. I mean, the longevity of those guys and still, you know, years, years after, you know, they, they really, you know, came onto the radar and like the the early nineties, you know what I mean? And just blew up. Like I mean, you you mentioned, you know, Californication and just all the riffs that came after that were just mm-hmm. and the songs that came after that were so great. What was the the first electric guitar that you had? Do you remember?
2: Yeah. So the first electric guitar I just went online, musiciansfriend.com, filtered the the search to cheapest to most expensive, <laughs> and kind of bought the one that looked the coolest. And it was, I think, a $150 a washburn with humbuckers, uh, just a real entry level one. I bought it. Didn't even have an amp. I was like, I just want an electric guitar because um, so I was getting more into like, I guess rock uh, rock music that necessitated like distortion and stuff. So I was like, I need to get the electric guitar. Yeah. Um, bought the cheapest thing I could, um, and then. It's probably a few months before I even got an amp uh, to actually like play it through. And again, that amp was probably like a $60 crate amp. Uh, <laughs> that's basically a paperweight in my parents' garage right now.
1: Isn't there something like magical though? And like, and like I said before this, like, I mean, I, 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 you know, living, living outside the Nashville area, I definitely don't tell people I play here because there's so many amazing musicians. Yeah. Here. You're in
2: the, 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 hub, the yeah. hub of music writing.
1: Um, but, but it's, it's just, I've always been attracted to the guitar since I was a kid. And I, I remember I, I didn't pick it up until I was 19 and my buddy Andy was, was one of the first people that really helped me kind of learn. Cause I was ready to take it back. I'm so hard on myself. I'm such a perfectionist that I was so terrible, just getting my fingers to like go where I wanted them to go and just, you know, mm. chord progressions, you know, and, and, um, but when you plug in the first time and you hear like that crunch and you're just like, oh my God, this is so awesome. Like what what you know you mentioned um californication acoustically I'm, I'm i'm presuming right like what what were the first some of those first songs on the electric guitar even with like a smaller amp like, like were you trying to learn then like the lincoln park stuff and and all that or
2: yeah it, it's it's funny kind of going back to those memories i probably can't pick specifically what that first electric guitar song was i mean I i probably plugging into the amp would have noodled anything I was playing acoustic just started noodling that through an amp. Yeah. Um, I remember trying out, I do, I remember trying out the amp in the store. Um, it was such a, it's was one of those cheap amps that has like the effects built into it. That's really just a gimmick to lure in that entry guitar player. Cause like, Oh, here's the wah knob. Here's the delay knob. And I was like, this is the coolest amp in the world. Mind you, it's like the most impractical thing if you're ever practicing or, or performing. Um, but I want to say like early memories of what I was learning was like three days grace um kind of learning those like drop d bar chord type riffs um yeah Lincoln Park was definitely in there I remember uh learning no more sorrow uh just that that lead reverb delayed out intro riff was so sick um that I had to learn it and like Billy Talent um was another huge one that I again, just simple drop D type rhythms on the choruses, but also like nice intricate uh, um, picking stuff in the verses. Um, So those are like the top three I can like really call out and identify as stuff. I was really learning once I got that electric.
1: Now, Doug, were your, were your parents or anybody in your family like super musical at all? Or is this, or is this just something that you were just personally drawn to?
2: Uh like my mom could play a little bit of piano, but she would never call herself a piano player. Like she can read a bit of sheet music, stumble through a thing. Um, But it was really self-driven, self-motivated. Like none of my parents can carry a tune or like count time or something. But uh, yeah, so my parents were really shocked once I started picking up guitar, they thought it would probably be a fad. Like, oh, um, like no one in our house, no one in our family lineage is even musical. So like, it might not be for him, but we'll still buy him the guitar and and whatnot. And sure enough, like it, it took off. It became my biggest hobby. I went from being like the sports guy in middle school who like played in like little leagues or, um, rec leagues and stuff. And then once I got that guitar, all that stuff dropped, it was music. I'm learning to play guitar. I'm learning to nail it. Um, and I think part of it is I think I was mentioning earlier that I moved. So yeah, uh, when I moved, I didn't have any friends, uh, I wasn't the most outgoing or social kid. And I was also like very resistant to the move. I was determined to make it fail and show my parents that, hey, you shouldn't have done this. It was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess not having really any friends, I just started, I was like, well, it's not like I'm going to go hang out with anyone. So I would just lock myself in my room and play guitar for hours and hours. Um, So it was, I guess, it was really that self-isolation that allowed me to practice and practice and, and pick it up.
1: Yeah. It sounds like it was like therapy for you, you know, cause that's what I was going to ask you, you know, like if you were living in Connecticut for eight years, like what, what age range was that before you went back to Canada?
2: Yeah. So I did, I went in right at the start of high school, um, which is obviously like a really critical age for kids growing up. Like, yeah. um, and it was pretty short notice too. like my mom got a job offer that took us down there for her work. And it was like, I was so gutted at like carpet ripped out from under my feet type thing. Um, So that would have been around age 13, maybe 14. Um, And so I did high school there. And then I ended up doing uh, college down there as well. So uh, I went to a school called Iona College, which is just outside New York City, uh, a very small liberal arts school. Um, And so I was, I I finished out my degree there. And then once I graduated, uh, by the time that happened, my parents had actually gotten relocated back to Toronto again for work. Um, and upon graduation, I was lazy, didn't find a job. And literally with two days left on my, my lease, I was like, uh, hey, Dad, can you come get me? Um, I got nowhere to live in two days. And <laughs> sure enough, he showed up the next day with, it, with, uh, his truck and a U-Haul trailer and took me back to Toronto. And I've now been back here for about eight and a half years.
1: That's, that's good parents though. They came down and
2: got you. They, they leave you hanging out in the street. You know? <laughs> no, I've, I've been very fortunate, uh, to have very, very great, loving, supportive parents growing up. I feel, has
1: Iona been in like the NCAA attorney a few times? Like I'm, basketball is like my big sport. Like I love basketball and I feel like I, I definitely have heard of Iona for sure.
2: Yeah. So Iona, they're obviously not like the Dukes and stuff, but uh, they're kind of, each year they're fighting for that like open seat. Uh, yeah. They're trying to get it. They've made it a few times. Um, I don't follow it. Since I've left like obviously like when they were making NCAA like the school's going crazy everyone's watching the games and celebrating Uh, so I'm not too sure how they've done since I left but I I do know they're always in in that contention um, uh, for those like last seats uh, to get into the tournament
1: yeah. Now, when you were when you were in college, were you, were you also studying music, Doug, or, or did you, or was was the music more just like the the passion and the love that that you did, and then school was was just a different ent- entity entirely as far as studying music?
2: Yeah, music was definitely always the passion and the love. Um, I I come from like a, a family that's like very foremost, like grandfather accountant, mom is an accountant, um, so I had that background and influence of getting that secondary education Um, and music was always something I loved. And I thought I would be, would go into finance and then take that financial knowledge and be able to work in the music industry, whether that was like at a label or something or somehow Um, that's obviously didn't happen, but that I kind of saw like a future of taking my post-secondary degree and being able to entwine that into music somehow.
1: So if you don't if you don't mind asking now what's what what do you you still do the financial stuff for a living but just not not music related
2: uh so i funny how like college can go like I'm actually not in finance at all, so I do uh corporate sales um in the c p g industry so um like packaged goods at your grocery shelf um so I sell that to retailers and just work on promotions and getting new products listed um so Yeah. Completely different. Like there are finance financial aspects to it and yeah. And working on cash flow and profitability, but it's not like buying stocks or like looking at markets or anything of that nature.
1: Right on. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, like I went to school for communication and journalism and I, and I still Mm do, you know, this podcast and stuff, obviously, but like my, my day jobs in healthcare. So, I mean, Mm. yeah, life, life takes you in different directions, but with, with music as the root, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, And I can't even imagine that, especially at 14, like like my parents got divorced when I was 11 and that was weird. But I still had my friends and stuff like I can't imagine, you know, uh, being fish out of water, especially starting high school, being in a different country. I mean, obviously, you're still speaking English. There wasn't a language (laughs) barrier and stuff like that. But that that is a pivotal time. Um, Those are Mm -hmm. crazy years. I mean, I personally don't miss my teenage years, I, I enjoyed college a lot more. Um, I, I felt high school was just kind of like a weird bubble and not that I hated my high school or anything, but it was just, it was just a weird time. I feel like kids that age are really insecure and judgmental. So I, I can't imagine what it was like, but you know, when you got there, did you eventually find your footing, um, in terms of meeting people or even with music Were you, did you meet any like buddies that you ended up jamming with or starting a band with or anything?
2: Yeah. So it, I, I would say I didn't really find my footing in the States until I got to second year university. Um, in high school, like I don't want to say I didn't have friends. Like I had like, there's people I was friendly with. I had people I sat with at lunch, but as far as like, once that school bell rang, I wasn't really making plans to go do things with other other people. Like there's a few friend groups. Like I kind of went in for a little bit and didn't really gel and kind of then would alienate myself from them. So I kind of tested the waters with a few groups, but never really found like a core group of kids. Where I was like, these yeah. are, these people get me. Um, mind you, it was also like partially self-inflicted. Um, being that angsty teenager that is angry at his parents for moving. Uh, I was just naturally resistant to change. And I, looking back, I, I can kind of delve into my psyche. Like I did not want it to work. I was like, I'm going to, I told my parents this was not a good idea, and I'm going to show them it wasn't a good idea. Yeah. So, 100 percent self inflicted. As I look back on what 14 year old Doug was doing, um, it was it was totally out of spite of his parents. Um, uh, but I'm I definitely found like a a group uh, music wise. So like um, I had an, another fr- not a fr- or, like, I guess he's a friend now, but like. My mom had a colleague that also moved from her company down to our same town. And there some played drums.
0: Oh. So okay.
2: mm-hmm. him and I started started jamming um together. And he was a really good drummer, which is awesome and always hard to find. Uh, and I kind of had a little bit of a band going before he came down. And uh once he moved, we kicked out the old drummer, brought him in. Um and found a bass player and, and a new singer um we were kind of like a hodgepodge like a band of misfits <laughs> um <laughs> in a band like none of us like we're really from the same kind of group of friends or social circles a uh, bunch of three of us were in different grades which especially in high school is weird you don't really age jump um with your friends it's kind of usually you're friends with people in your grade um yeah so it was like just a weird uh not a weird group but like it's kind of funny how we came together and yeah, we, we'd play battle of Bands, play like local teen centers, um, play a bunch of shows. And so I had a band. Yeah. Going back into high school.
1: What what was the name of the band?
2: Uh, so we called ourselves cast no shadow. Um, there nice. was really no reason to that name. Uh, we were very uncreative. We just kind of went through, like, we're looking at like song titles, like what song title can we borrow? That sounds cool. And, we shortlisted it. It's actually an, it came from an Oasis song.
0: Don't really yeah. care
2: for don't really care for Oasis <laughs> all that much. Um, obviously, respect what they've done um, music wise, but it was like that's that's a pretty cool ass sounding name, um, and we kind of rolled with that.
1: That's in the chorus of that song, right? I think my one of my best friends, Nate, had that on like a mix in high school back when people used to make like mix CDs. Uh, it was like, well, when he sees the sun, he casts no shadow." That's that, it, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: That's exactly it. Yeah. All the
1: Oasis fans listening were just like, well, I can't, he just ruined <laughs> that. That dude can't sing at all. I didn't say I could <laughs> sing. Um, that's No, that's, that's cool though. And it, it, it's hilarious how you say how you don't like age jump too because it's just so funny to me now because I have friends that are, you know, within a few years age and stuff. And it's it's so hilarious to me when like you're a freshman in high school, and you're like, oh my God, those are seniors. And when you're 14, yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. With, like puberty and stuff, like they they some of them look like they're like 25, you know, with facial hair and stuff. And mm-hmm. you have like, you know, I had like three random hairs on my chin when I was like 14, you know. But that that is hilarious, though, that uh gosh, you're you're taking me back a little bit now, thinking about high school. Um the record that got me through like my freshman year of high school and just the awkwardness of like, because like the school that I went to, I, it, we, it was still Toledo, but like I, I, it was a Catholic high school. And we okay. were one of only like a, a couple of uh, co-ed Catholic high schools. So <laughs> like my junior high that I went to, I, I had a lot of buddies who went to an all boys school. And even though I was really shy and backward then compared to now, I didn't want to go to an all boys school. I really liked my high school's vibe when we did like our visitations there. And, and we had people from all walks of life that went there, but, um, but it was a weird time because it was like, I, I didn't really have a click. Like I was an altar boy, but I loved like Metallica mm. and corn and I would wear like basketball jerseys to school on jeans days. So like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of kids that like, didn't know, they didn't know like what to do with me. Cause I had all these different interests and in high school, you know, that's not good. They, people want to put you in a box. They want, you know, you're the you know, like maybe the nerdy, you know, debate team or like, you know, you're uh, a a really good student athlete or whatever, you know what I mean? And I didn't, Mm -hmm. I had friends from all different paths, but untouchables from corn. That was like my record, like freshman year of high school. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And like monkey and head are two of my favorite guitarists of all time. That was a big record for me, for you at that time. Were there any, um, I know I've asked you a couple of times now, as far as like when you play in guitar, but were there any like records like in high school that you just had on like repeat or that got you through just sort of those awkward years?
2: Yeah. So the, the, the ones that, uh, stick in memory, I got super into like breaking Benjamin three days, grace Chevelle. Um, I listened to a lot of Billy Tom, but like, yeah, that kind of like active rock drop D slinging type music was huge for me. Like still a lot of Lincoln park listening, um i i definitely listened to that song breaking the habit a lot literally like alone in my room like the chorus goes on i just yeah. like like identified so heavily with that song like it back in itunes where you had like the play counter like that was like my number one listen to song was breaking the habit because so i was like i'm um, who's i'm um, that person who's singing about that's just like alone in their room playing guitar by himself
1: yeah, well, I'm glad you got through it, man. And um mm-hmm. you're obviously pumping out a lot of great music now. Um, I really love the the volume one, uh, maybe next year EP with with you know Hill, that project you put together. And then also um I, I saw some of the descriptions doing doing some of my my research to get ready to talk to you. And um you were talking about how warning with uh devil in the details is on that one, how how it has kind of that hard rock vibe and kind of a mix between you know bear Lincoln park and he is legend and i was like oh he is legend like anytime i like meet somebody who's also into he is legend i'm like yes i know i'm gonna enjoy talking to this dude and then i went and listened to some of your your stuff from your your band southern smoke um okay and yeah, yeah and especially on like stuck between the floors i'm like this dude listens to he is legend for sure so if you don't mind let's let's nerd out a little bit before we get into the Hill stuff like the southern rock bluesy and even kind of like the heavy bluesy stuff uh you know even bands like maylene every time i die and stuff when did you Mm -hmm. start to get into into that that realm of of the hard rock
2: stuff um so those like post-hardcore certainly like the southerny post-hardcore that you're referring to yeah that's actually i'd say that's more of a recent um interest and uh every time i die for me is personally the one i listen to the most out of those like okay I definitely i've got a lot of healed he is legend saved on like spotify um but i wouldn't say like i'm a huge like i couldn't nerd out about them like i am terrible with their song names and album names so i okay. could be able to pick apart the songs um but yeah that the song you're referring to uh so warning i got the he is legend vibe totally from uh sean's vocal line like yeah. he he's i think he's in nashville too uh so he he has a bit of that southern drawl and twang in his voice and that really comes out in his vocal delivery versus like you don't really hear that so much in his band when he's singing for devil in the details but it really comes across thick and like everyone i played it to is like oh my god this is like he is legend uh because it's got that twang in his voice and then that bare toothy style like Beartooth and Silverstein were a huge influence on like the instrumental stylings of that song. Yeah, um, and then that Linkin Park, uh, uh, I think it's One Step. Like, I'm uh, I'm about to break. Like, yeah, like that vocal delivery Sean's doing in the the pre-chorus is like, like when he was like hitting those lines, I was like, oh my god, that's that's like so Linkin Parky, like Hybrid Theory era uh, influence coming out right there. Uh, so like, it's cool picking up not it's cool picking out like the different influences between what I had going into the song and then when Sean got his hands on it like how he interprets the melody and then how his own style comes into it um whereas like if someone else sang on it it could have been just like a pure Silverstein type song like yeah but like the way he delivered it just shaped it so differently than I initially thought it was going to go and that that's really cool about it
1: yeah. And speaking of shaping, shaping this whole thing, like, um, it sounds like this, this was birthed out of the pandemic and just the isolation being at home. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the, the genesis of this. Cause I know you work with, uh, your producer and, and, and buddy, uh, Kyle, is it Marchant? Is that how you say his last name?
2: So, uh, I've always pronounced it Marchant. Okay. But it's actually a hard Marchant.
1: Marchant. Uh, okay.
2: Yeah, which like he corrected me the other day. I was like, "Oh man, I've been saying your last name wrong this entire time." It's like, yeah,
1: yeah, um, maybe that was just my presumption <laughs> because because you're you know it seems I'll, French. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Seems, I'm thinking, and I'm it thinking I like could like, have a
2: French roll off.
1: Yeah, you're in Toronto, and I'm thinking of like hockey player names exactly. like Marchant. Yeah, yeah. So Kyle yeah. Marchant, and I know he's worked with right Silverstein, Comeback Kid, Rarity, Stick to Your Guns. So are these riffs? Doug, that that like you had in the bag, just stuff that you're you're working on as you're playing music, and you're like, I got to do something with this, or or was it a concerted effort where you're like, I kind of I kind of want this sort of post hardcore vibe with with an EP? Let let me see what Kyle and I can cook up. Like, talk to me a little bit about the genesis of of how Cohill came to be.
2: Yeah, so it's it really. Yeah, it, it totally spurred out of the pandemic. Uh, lockdown happened back in March, um, and it was like super lockdown at that time, if, you, if everyone remembers. And it was pretty um, nice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there, there's not much you could do. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just kind of going to throw myself into music. Like you mentioned it before, I had a, a band before called Southern Smoke. We were, I'd kind of just describe us as like a bar band that would also write and release our own music in addition to like playing covers in our sets um but that was again more kind of rockish um in a way like pure rock whereas like me as a music fan and listener i'm more into that alternative scene of post hardcore metalcore pop punk um so when the pandemic hit i threw myself into music and i was like well i really want to explore more writing of like post hardcore metalcore type influence and stuff and had no plans for it really. So, um, got, got my logic set up, got my, my interface pulled out of the closet and, uh, in my free time, cause I couldn't really do much. I just started putting down together riffs, like, uh, shaping songs out and really had no plan for them. I was just like, I'm just going to write songs just to use up my creative energy and fill my time. Um, and then sure enough, as the song's, Progressed from really that riff stage to full fledged songs. Is like, I really like these. Like these are sick. Like I think these are good enough and deserve to be in a place that doesn't just sit on my hard drive for eternity. Like uh, there's got to be some way I can make this come to life uh, in some sort of fashion. Um, and then I guess the the next real genesis of Cohill was that I reached out to Kyle. Um, I worked on I worked with him before doing our Southern Smoke recordings. Um, and to your point, yeah, he, he's worked with a lot of those bands at an engineering level, like Silverstein he engineered, I think on two of the albums, did some sessions with Comeback Kid and, and Stick to Your Guns. Um, and so he's worked in that vein, recorded, and then he's also produced some other bands on his own in that, in that area. So um, I knew he'd be the guy to like reach out to and be like, hey, I've got, I've got these songs. I know you're familiar with the genre. Um, let's see what we can do with them. And so, as things started to open up, uh, it started with just like, "Hey, here are the demos. What do you think?" And then, uh, once we were able to kind of meet in person more comfortably, it, it became, "Okay, let's let's shape these songs a bit more. Let's let's clean up this part. This part is a little forced. Let's let's yank that." So he really got his hands in from a producer and songwriter standpoint, and and help take them to the next level. And then obviously it became a question of like, okay, we, you've got these instrumentals, but like, what do you do with them now? Like, do you, are you going to go find a singer? Are you going to like find a band? What, what's the next place? And that's, that's where I had the idea. I was like, well, I'm, I've got a very stable career. I'm not going to be that guy that, that tours and, and tries to make it as a band, but I want to get this out there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to be the guy that's holding anyone back. Like I don't want to involve other people that want to tour and make this a big thing. And then I'm the one that's like, Oh, sorry guys, but I've got my nine to five. I can't leave, uh, for a month type thing. So I was like, I was trying to think ahead as like, well, I don't want to be disrespectful to any future bandmates and be the reason things are held back. So how can this exist in a way that's like serious, um, but also to, like it allows me to work on it at my own terms at my own speed and kind of as much time as I want to put into it. And that's where I kind of had the idea. I was like, well, what if I just got different singers, like made it like a collaboration album um, and just got different singers to perform on each track. And it would make it exciting for any listeners or fans to see what, like, for example, like a saving vice, a lot of saving vice, saving vice fans really dug the song. Cause like, they got to hear Tyler, it, it's in a similar vein as like Saving Vice, but it's also very different. So they got to hear him be melodic from front to back and push the, vo- the aggressive vocals in the bridge. So, um, and then uh, fans of like Devlin the Details then listen to the album and they, they discover new bands as well uh, through the process of it. So it, it was really fun to get different influences on every track. Um, and it allows it to kind of be something I own and manage at my own pace going forward.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome, dude. And, and uh, to give a shout out to to everybody that's on the record, uh, you know, the aforementioned Tyler of Saving Vice, Devil in the Details, uh, Rival Town, In Fear and Faith, uh, In Case We Crash, Nightwell uh, and, and tiger wine. Right. So, um, and what I liked about it, man, is, um, even though it's kind of rooted in, in the post hardcore, like one, just as a fan of guitar, like I, I, I love the guitar tone on this record. And, and I, I couldn't tell you anything about engineering and stuff. Like I have a guitar tuner, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> the guitar, so we can, we can get into that, you know, cause I, that, I love the guitar tone on this record. Like it it's, it's crunchy, but it, it's very clean. Um, it's not like overproduced or anything like it's just the songs flow together so well, man. And, and even though it's rooted in post-hardcore, kind of like what you're talking about. I like how like Edge of Collapse with Tyler, it does have kind of more of a metalcore vibe. There's definitely like what I like to call some mm-hmm. chug therapy going on with the riffs I like that <laughs> in that one. You know, but yeah. then if you listen to a song like Ghosts or Warning, it's it's got more of kind of that a punky hardcore feel. You know, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one year later, uh, I feel like lyrically really hits home and, and I know you've talked about that on social media too but just lyrically with the pandemic and everything and then and then dead weight uh you know um I think from a streams perspective I if my memory serves me right that that one may may have the most uh streams but also very catchy and, and very well put together so I guess just my question man is as you were figuring out what artists to work with um with you and Kyle what was that process like was it just sort of like oh, I know somebody who knows somebody who would be good on this track or these are bands that I listen to as well or was it kind of a combination of of all of those things?
2: Yeah, so going and reaching out to vocalists was uh, really probably the trickiest and hardest part um, of this because here I am, Doug, who is Doug? Like, like I, I was kind of a and still in the grand scheme of things and nobody, but like, I, I really had no like, band well, let's, let's pause was, there. You're not yeah. a nobody,
1: Doug. You're a very great musician. You're a very kind <laughs> man. So let's, we got to give yourself a little <laughs> bit more credit than that, but continue. <laughs>
2: thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, here, I, I knew it'd be a challenge reaching out to people. Uh, Cause yeah, I have a band, but it's not established in this alternative scene. So it, it's going to be hard to compel people to get involved. So um, I really relied on like an external network to like make connections, um, and all everyone I reached out to is they're all relatively smaller bands in, in the grand scheme of things, but they're all great musicians. So I knew I was like, obviously, I'm not going to get like Shane Told or Caleb Shomo on a track. <laughs> so I, I knew I knew had to stick with, in a certain range of artists. Um, and the first one, uh, Tyler from Saving Vice, was actually the first one to bite. And actually truly get involved and and start writing on it. And that was made through a connection. I know, I know one of the guys that's involved with that scene daddy page. Um, so he does the promote, like their promotion stuff on it. And uh I was talking to him about the project and he's like, hey, I know Tyler in the band Saving Vice, like I think he could sound really cool on this track or these these two tracks. Like, um, let me reach out to him, tell him what you're doing, and see if he'd be interested. So he reached out to Tyler and he's like, yeah, man, he, he sounds really into it. Like here's his email. And then I reached out to Tyler on the email, gave him a bit more explanation of what was going on and um, went from there. And so, yeah, he was the first person to get involved. Um, and from there, uh, ha- Tyler, they're probably one of the, they probably are the biggest band that's involved or Tyler's the biggest vocalist involved. So once he was involved, it made it a little easier to reach out to people and be like, Hey, Uh, Doing this, oh, by the way, Tyler from Saving Vice is involved, just so you know, like, um, give them some confidence that other great musicians are involved in it as well. Yeah. Um, So Sean uh, was also made through the Scene Daddy connection, reached out to him through there. Uh, In Case We Crash, uh, that vocalist, Simon, is friends with Kyle, the producer. They're a Toronto band as well. Um, Nightwell, the guy who does the aggressive vocals on the bridge of One Year Later, is actually the vocalist in Kyle's band. Uh, so that one was obviously an easy connection. Oh, cool. Uh, who else? Oh, um, uh, in fear and faith. So, uh, Scott Barnes, uh, he is good friends with, um, the guy who mastered the album. Um, so I knew I needed someone on a bridge for that song. And I just reached out to my, the Tyler, um, uh, Tyler, the mastering engineer. I said, Hey, like, do you think Scott would be down to like throw down on this bridge? And he texted, and he's like, "Yeah, Scott's down." Um, and then uh, the real interesting cold reach was uh, Hayden in Tiger Wine. So, I that song Deadweight is probably the most. It required the most unique vocal because it's it's very spacey. Um, it really needs the vocal to act as an instrument to fill some of those spots. Yeah, and so I was, was kind of just going through like Spotify, looking at bands that kind of fit in that realm of like almost post-rocky post-hardcore and I, I uh, was like oh Tiger Wine like this guy like he sounds like he, he has like that strong voice that could really fill the space on this song and like I had no connection to him so I just added him on Facebook and, <laughs> and shot him a message and he responded back in like five minutes being like yeah man so down to do this and uh, uh, so yeah everyone kind of got involved in a different way uh, like Mike from Rival 10 was a similar way um, just shot him a message on Facebook. He's cause he's also in the area. We have some mutual friends. So it was a bit of an easy reach out as well.
1: That's so cool, man. Uh, just, just to hear the the enthusiasm in your voice and also just, just being able to go after it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, that whole, you miss hundred percent of the shots, you don't you know, take vibe and, and also having that connection with, with Kyle. Um, but, but yeah, I really, like I said, I really enjoyed how it came out. I think, if I had to pick a favorite, and and I and I hate picking favorites because I, <laughs> I really do dig it front to back. And when I listen to records, I listen to them front to back because I I know that there's there's a conscious decision making that goes into the flow of an album too. When people are putting them together, you know what I mean. And so I like to hear how it starts and how it finishes. But um, you know, I would say just as more being more rooted in sort of like metal and headbanging and stuff. That's just kind of what I love. I I really do love Edge of Collapse. Um, You know, and Tyler is a really dynamic vocalist, but, but like Mm -hmm. I said, I, you know, if I had to pick a favorite, that would be it, but I really do enjoy the whole thing, man. But, um, uh, you know, just kudos to you for turning a negative into a positive, because that's really what this podcast is about as far as perseverance and moving forward and to, to take these songs, like you said, and go, you know, Hey man, I don't, I don't want these just sitting on my hard drive. I love these. I feel like I can do something with these because I feel like a lot of us, myself included, we, we we can maybe overthink things or we, we go, ah, what, what, what's really going to happen with this, but something really cool came out of you just taking a shot, you know?
2: Yeah. And uh, that, that's exactly what it was. Um, I was like, it, yeah, you just nailed it. I just needed to do something. And um, I've always been a huge fan of the scene and, and wanted to kind of do my own thing with it and actually get it out there. So I'm really happy with how everything came out. Uh, Kyle made everything sound phenomenal um and like you said yeah I, I turned a negative into a positive and I think the other cool thing about it was here's uh what a uh, five or seven vocalists also sitting at home it gives them a little project to work on too so i yeah. sure, I don't know for sure but I, I I could probably guess that they had fun and it it filled up some time for them during uh, the early days of the pandemic writing out lyrics coming up with melodies demoing so I hope it was uh therapeutic for them and gave them something to work on as well. Cause I know a lot of those guys weren't seeing their band members uh or practicing at all. So uh it really was like the perfect time for me to strike, so to speak, and and reach out to these people.
1: Heck yeah, man. And and, and again, that guitar tone, um, and, and we can nerd out a little bit. Like I said, I mean, I, I'm I'm not a music engineer or anything. I I I noodle on the guitar and 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 play it very poorly, but it's therapeutic for me. But I, I'm always conscious of like, like, obviously like everybody knows what Dimebag Daryl sounds like. Everybody knows what Eddie Van Halen sounds like. Everybody knows what Jimi Hendrix sounds like, like there's iconic guitarists, you know, BB King, um, mm. that have that sound and even bands, you know, like we were talking about the Southern stuff. Like I heard the, he is legend in, in the Southern smoke stuff with you guys, just because I, I love, he is legend. But when, as soon as you said, every time I die, I, that's, I, I thought of, I was like, okay, every time I die. Maylene, you know, um, he is a legend, but, um, you know, talk to me and, and the listeners a little bit about, uh, the guitar tone, you know, for, for any guitar players who are listening. I mean, what, what were you using? Um, are, are there, are there certain pedals or effects? Um, obviously there were different riffs on each song and it, it all had its own vibe, which led to the singers you chose, but, uh, just, mm-hmm. just talk to me a little bit about that. Cause I, I know you've got a couple of different ones in the arsenal. I saw Fender Strat. Um, I think I may have seen a Schecter. I definitely saw a PRS. So talk to me a little bit about the guitars on this one, Doug.
2: Yeah, for sure. So first and foremost, a shout out back again to Kyle. Like he is a whiz on Pro Tools. Like he makes everything sound so amazing. Um, And he definitely nailed the guitar tone on this song. And that's a consistent thing I hear from a lot of people being like, yo, what guitar? Like. What, <laughs> what are you using? Is it an amp? Is it a SIM? Like what, how, what did you run? What studio did you use? Like, yeah. And the funny thing is like, I know we're on webcam here and people can't see it. We made this record in my basement, like yeah. on a beer pong table, no <laughs> joke, a fold up <laughs> Buffalo Bill smashing table is what we made it on. Um, I mean, he mixed it at home and stuff, but like we, we plugged into his interface. He came over here. We'd pop a few drinks and just, and, and track everything down here um but as far as like what actually went into it so um guitar wise uh every song you, or sorry uh every song but edge of collapse is on the prs so that okay. thing is an absolute piece of beauty like they're expensive but they're worth every penny like they sound so good everything on it is stock like no change on the pickups it's it's what it came with Um bought that thing uh Oh geez, 15 years ago now. Wow. Um, I've had that thing. And uh it's plays so beautifully, it sounds beautifully, and uh it just sounds great going into uh direct input. Um and then we are the, the guitar tones you're hearing are all on um uh what's it called? STL tonality. So Will Putney's um AMP SIM software that he has. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's on the, uh, for anyone that wants to buy it or use it, it's really great. Um, I've got it on Logic, the tones are phenomenal. Um, the specific amp we're using it on, is a uh, Marshall sim. So the red Marshall sim off the Howard Benson pack, if anyone uh, wants to explore one, it's a very, it's a great sim, it's very versatile. Uh, you can get a lot of rock tones, great clean tones and great metal tones out of it. Um, so that's a really great pack for uh, any person on that's listening to start out with. Um, and yeah, there's uh, one pedal added to it to give it some extra grid on the distortion. Um, but it's just, it's just a dialed amp sim and then just mixed very well with the frequency.
1: Yeah, man, it, it, it really does sound great. Uh, you know, you, you and Kyle really did your thing with it. And, um, and, and like I said, I like, I like how, the tone is there on every song but every song does have its own vibe and and i don't know if you listen to the record um you know with the different singers on each track and kind of how you thought about the vocals like it's it's cool talking to you because i can i can even see you like as you're 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 answering about the vocals you're picking for the songs you you're thinking about oh yeah the bridge and this part and that part and um a record that i really liked it came out i think i was like a senior in college at the time it was uh it was Slash, and he had like okay, right, 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 Miles Kennedy for a couple of songs, and then he ended up taking Miles on on tour. And then you know, the Conspirators, and then they've done all these records since. But um, hmm. Ozzy was on that uh album, Adam Levine was on that album, I think. Uh, um, uh, M Shadows from Avenged was on that record, right, right, So, right, right, yeah. So yeah. when I saw that, uh, that you did this, like that was one of the first things I thought of was that that Slash record where he same kind of thing. He was like, Oh, I think this person would sound good with this riff. And I, let me, let me get this singer. So um, yeah, man, I, I really enjoyed it. So, you know, I don't call yourself a nobody. I I think this is really cool that you put this together. Um, And can we give a shout out to who, who did the, uh, I saw the name and and I I don't know if I wrote it in my notes and rather than sit here and give people like 30 seconds of radio silence as I look, (laughs) Um, Who did Who did the artwork? Because the artwork was really sick too for this.
2: Yeah, so the artwork is uh, from a guy named uh, Kendall Johns. So you can, if you're on Facebook, his uh, business page is the artwork of Kendall Johns. Um, He also, yeah, so he really crushed the artwork. That's that's another compliment I've gotten. Well, really, I guess he's gotten because he he did the artwork. Uh, He just he nailed it each piece. So I knew because I did three singles and then the EP cover. I was like it needs to flow. Like it needs to have a theme for each one. I don't want it to when I don't want the first single to be like an illustration comic style and then have a photo realistic. It's got to have the same consistent feel color and tone end to end so that it's a full branded package together. And he really na- nailed it. Um, each piece is so sick and it gets, it gets a lot of compliments. Uh, a lot of people ask about it. So I, I hope some, he's gotten some work out of uh, what people have seen.
1: Well, I'll definitely, I'll definitely tag him when I put up this episode for for the podcast description, man. And and um and also before we wrap it up, and thanks again so much, Doug, for your time. i really enjoyed this, my guy. Um, how did you come up with the name Cohill for this?
2: Yeah, so again, going back to that COVID theme, coming up with band names are is so hard. Like these days, <laughs> like every everything is taken. You don't want it to sound corny, but you also want it to sound like fitting for what your sound is. You want it to to resonate. Um, and so going through that iteration, that was really one of the last things. Like I had the songs, had the vocalists uh, recordings were in. I'm like, man, what do I call this? Like had a short list that I was bouncing back and forth with Kyle back, back and forth with my wife. And the one we landed on was Cohill. And what that is, it's my street that I live on. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And I guess the cool thing tying back into the, the whole COVID theme again is that this is where I wrote all the songs. This is where everything was recorded. Was on Cohill, and uh, so it's very fitting for me that that's what the name ended up being. Um, the only thing I was bouncing around between on was, do I call it Cohill or Cohill Drive? Um, and we just felt like Cohill Drive just sounded super pop punky, um, having like the road uh, suffix on it. And uh, we're like, no, just just drop drop it and leave it as Cohill.
1: That's great, man. Well, yeah. And then the, like, uh, in uh what Parkway drive, I think that was the place where they jammed at in Australia. That's where, that's how they named their band. But, um, that's cool. I'm yeah, always interested street in names
2: this- are uh, street names are a common one. So that's kind of, was like, well, does Cohill sound cool or not? And then every like the people I bounce it off are like, no, that does sound cool. And it, it kind of works in that alternative vein, um, sound.
1: Yeah. And, and, and for the artwork, um, did you did you kind of leave it up to, to the artists to to kind of just do their thing, or did you did you kind of give them a vision of, of sort of what you wanted the visuals for the singles to be?
2: Uh, he had a lot of cre- creative control. Um, I kind of I had a broad idea like um, so like for Deadweight, for example, uh, like I did the the theme is like kind of no I don't want to say anti-religion but it's about like Hayden's journey of like going from an evangelical family and then kind of veering away from religion and becoming like atheists and so I I wanted that to come across in the artwork so we we went with that like um religious statue motif with like some dark tones going on in the backgrounds um edge of collapse I actually uh, like worked on some ideas with Tyler. He's like, well, what if someone's like, literally, on like an edge, like about to jump off. Um, then, uh, like for one year later, like I wanted like the concept of time to come in. I was like, Hey, what about like a, a broken hourglass type thing? And so he had, he had the broad stroke concepts and then he just, he found everything so perfectly, like what to pull from and how to piece it together, what colors to use like everything's consistent. Like it's always like the name on the right hand side with the feature artist. Like, like that was a key thing for me is like, it needs to be consistent. It needs to be a theme. It needs to be a brand ab- above anything else.
1: Yeah, it definitely, it definitely ties together and, and it came out great. Uh, well just a couple more things before I let you go, man. Hmm. Thanks again so much for your time, Doug. This has been so fun talking to you and, and hopefully it's not the last time I, I'd love to have you on again, man. Um, you know, I, I saw, too, speaking of, you know, perseverance and moving forward, uh, you know, when you mentioned your wife, I saw that you guys, was it three months ago you got married? Was it
2: June? Uh, June 26th, so, uh, June of July, July, of August, September. Yeah, three months now.
1: Well, congrats. Congrats on that, man. Thank um, you very much. I'm sure that had, I my cousin just got married in August, and they were actually supposed to get married, um, like, a year ago, April. And then obviously that, that, you know, all went to hell because of the pandemic. It, cause they, they're uh, they live in New York city, uh, mm-hmm. shout out Ryan and Casey and the wedding was in long Island. So unfortunately with the pandemic that all got postponed, but I was just thinking, yeah, like speaking of persevere and like, I can't even imagine what, what, you know, Doug and his wife were probably going through with this time as well, just with wedding plans and everything, just because the whole world was sort of on ice. So Congrats oh, yeah, on that, that was, man. I mean, what, what was that like kind of managing that whole thing? Well, as well, like with wedding planning and stuff while you're doing a record too, and just doing your day job. I mean, I imagine we were, you, were you able to work from home during, during this whole thing.
2: Yeah. I've been working from home since March of last year. Oh, as wow. As my wife. Yeah. <laughs> we're uh, uh, I guess the way Canada has been with uh, the, uh, the whole quarantine and COVID progression, like we, we've been a bit more restrained and, uh contained certainly in uh the Ontario province that I'm in um like a lot of my friends are still working from home uh we're we're holding on tight to that work from home policy and uh but yeah so going to that perseverance uh huge shout out to my wife uh Sophie uh this is really her perseverance story um she was like we always had that June 26th date set and we did not balk from it we we're like that's going to be the date. The only thing that matters is that we get married. It doesn't matter. Like we want, we need our core family there, our immediate family. But like, if our friends can't be there, like we'll find another way to celebrate them. But we're getting married that day. That's what matters. And kind of leading up to it, it was like the way the restrictions and stuff worked in like our province, we were getting like updates every two weeks of like what was going to change, like what that meant from a capacity and like she was like on the news every time there was an update being like okay that means we can do this with our wedding or we can't do this like she like like you think about like that always sunny scene where charlie's like mapping out uh pepe silva stuff like that was her like with our wedding she's like she's like okay if in a month this happens we can do this but if this doesn't happen like she was so incredible through the whole whole process and like I was like letting her do her thing. She really took total ownership of it and and, like had plan A through Z uh, figured out as to what was going to do it or what was going to happen through it all. We ended up having to find a new venue that, so we could do it outside and involve more people. We had to like cancel things. We had to replan vendors and stuff. And that was all because of her. So that this is really her perseverance story that I'm telling. And uh, we're only married because of her. So uh, again, a big, Shout out to my beautiful
1: wife Sophie. That's that's so good to hear that you guys were able to do it, man. And and uh that's hilarious that you mentioned it's always funny too. It's one of my favorite shows. I know exactly the scene you're talking about where they have like those office jobs and Charlie's exactly like, you know, yeah yeah going nuts <laughs> in the mailroom. Um well Doug, this is this has been awesome, man. I I've I really enjoyed talking to you. I, I like I said I genuinely uh I I just love the EP man. I, I think it came out awesome. And I just think that's a, again, a good message to share for people on here. Just, to, you know, to chase down the things that they love and the things that they're passionate about, even in the face of adversity. I, I just think that's a really cool story to share on this podcast. So I, I really thank you, man, genuinely, for uh, taking the time to uh, speak with me for this. Let's definitely keep in touch, and I for will, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, put up the links in the podcast description, uh, absolutely, when this comes out but um, let the people know where they can find you if they're not familiar, man.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on social media. Facebook is slash Kohil Music. Instagram is at Cohill Music. Uh, I'm not on Twitter. Um, and then uh, I do TikTok now, like every band needs to do. And on there, I'm just purely at Kohil. Um So people can follow me, reach out to me, message me, what, or just like a post, whatever <laughs> they want to do. <laughs>
1: and and is there any would there ever any be any plans if the opportunity presented itself like if any of these artists were either in town like as, as part of you thought about like oh man it would be cool if we did like maybe like a one-off gig or a couple of gigs like is there any of that in the back of your mind
2: yeah so I've actually talked about it with uh so with Kyle and his band so because his drummer actually drummed on the whole track too uh shout out to Terrence Pettit I should have mentioned him earlier uh so he did the session drumming for everything and wrote all the drum parts based off like the feels I sent him. Um, so it's pretty much, I, I call it the sister band to Nightwell because like the vocalist did a track, uh, the producer played bass and uh, added some guitar lines um, and I had their drummer on the track. So we have like ta- spoken about like, oh, what if like I perform with their band and we do a cohill set with Nightwell like once a year type thing. Um, Everything's still super like restricted right now. Like all our September concerts are getting canceled and stuff. Um, so it'd probably be something we look to do in 2022. But like, yeah, we're we're in, we're our, we have been humming the idea around of like, oh, how could Nightwell perform with Doug? And we'll do like a Cohill set, a Nightwell set, um, and do like a show once in a blue moon. Um, and then like one of the one of the other vocalists, so uh Simon Austin from In Case We Crash is also Toronto based. Like see if he can come out and perform his song. Um, but like Jason is a super dynamic singer and could would be able to perform all those songs. No problem. And it would be a fun night to do.
1: Heck yeah, man. Well, Doug, thanks again, man. Like I said, this mm-hmm. has been a lot of fun, brother. I, I really appreciate the time. I love what you're doing. Keep, keep making music, keep doing your thing. Um, I, I just think it's, it's really cool that uh, you spent some time with me and let's definitely keep in touch, man, and stay safe up there. Yeah, for
2: sure. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll add you on social media and stuff as start. And, uh, but again, thank you. Like, uh, your format is sweet. Like your format, the way you ask questions is articulate and it's different than a lot of other people are doing, which is nice. And I think that's probably exciting for other artists when they come on your show uh, Cause they're not just getting asked the same questions over and over again. Um, so I think that's great that you've found your, your own dynamic that's different. Um, and the other thing I really respect uh, about the way like you really listen and change your questions around um, versus kind of like having a checklist, like need to ask this, need to ask this, like you, you based, you changed your questions based off things I said, which is a great skill, especially like for like someone doing interviews and podcasts that a lot of people um, that are doing it don't have, and you clearly do.
1: Well, thank you so much for the kind words, Doug. I really appreciate that, man. I, like I said, I try to pride myself on, you know, uh, being on time. That's why I was so worried when I came on, when I was like, <laughs> because I, I, you know, I, I prep and, um, I was like, I should have just law. Lo- and, and that's, you know, future for me. Like I, I'm just going to have it logged on next time, like a half hour before Cause I, I hate being late. Uh, cause I always like to be respectful of people's time, but I really appreciate the kind words, dude. I, I love doing this. Um, I love talking to people and getting to know their stories. I love music. So I try to pride myself on, mm-hmm. you know, um, obviously doing my homework, which again, I, to me, it's not even homework because I love music and, and, and I love doing research on the artists, but, um, but I try to pride myself on making it more of a conversation and letting it flow and giving the guests time to speak because I, I don't like stomping on people. The only time I, I stomped on you is when you, were, when you were being hard on yourself and saying you're, you were a nobody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I really appreciate the kind words, man. That means a lot because I really do love doing these and I take a lot of pride in it as far as just, you know, making it a pleasurable experience for, you know, guests like yourself doing the show and then also people who listen. So that really means a lot, man. I really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, no problem. It was like I said, it really was great. Uh it, it's so refreshing and I, and again, I I'm sure like Tyler and anyone else you've interviewed would would share similar feedback whether they did or not. I I can guarantee that they felt the same way leaving.
1: Well, I really appreciate that, man. Well, Doug, thanks again so much for the time. Congrats again on, on getting hitched uh and and uh shout out to to your wife and and you guys for being able to pull that off uh and still um have it have it happen the way that you want it to happen despite all the craziness going on mm-hmm. i'm sure it was it was a nice button to not only this ep coming out but just uh, a crazy 18 months man so congrats to you guys and like i said best wishes going forward and definitely keep in touch brother i really appreciate this
2: will do thanks again we'll, we'll talk later
1: you're welcome all right take care man thanks you too bye <laughs> Folks, there you have it. That was my conversation with Doug Heiser of Co-Hill. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram at co Music. And his personal Instagram is also at dheis31. So again, at Cohill Music. co is spelled C-O-E-H-I-L-L. And at dheis31, D-H-E-I-S 31. The links will be in the podcast description for this episode. Doug, thank you so much again, man, for stopping by the podcast and chatting with me. I really enjoyed our conversation and thank you so much too for your kind words at the end of the show, man. That really means a lot uh, to hear those positive words about my podcast and just how much you enjoyed our conversation as well. It's just, uh, it's reassuring when I get feedback uh, like that um, because it just, I don't know, it just, I guess in a lot of ways it just kind of, you know, it just makes me feel like even more just reinforces that I'm on the right path. You know what I mean? Uh, I love doing this, this podcast. It's really been a creative outlet for me. Um, and, and something to turn to and look forward to and, and, and otherwise, um, at least on a personal level, kind of a, a rocky year for me, you know, and this podcast has really felt like home. It's felt like a center that I can come to and it just gives me a lot of inner peace and it gives me an opportunity to let my, creativity flow and um it feels right to me but then when you have other people you know give you positive feedback and they and they do it you know just just you know to do it it's not me saying hey what would you think or hey what you know just when people just offer it up like unsolicited i guess is the word that i'm looking for like it um it's cool cuz like i said it just it just reassures me that like hey man you need to keep doing this show so i really appreciate the kind words man and i also want to give a big shout out and big thank you to audrey over at breakout pr for setting this up she's awesome and she also set up the podcast conversation that i had with tyler small of saving vice who is also featured on volume 1 maybe next year from cohill so if you guys haven't checked out that episode make sure you do that but uh audrey's great she's you know great to work with and i really appreciate her Getting artists that she works with on the show because uh, Tyler's great, Doug was great, and she's great. So check out Breakout PR as well. I'll put up their link in the podcast description, but thank you, Audrey. And thank you again to all of you, man. I know I say it a lot, but I'm never short of my thank yous. I wasn't raised to be short on my thank yous, man. Um, like I said, I really appreciate everybody who's listening to the show, you know, from family to friends and all of you out there who I don't know. You know, people literally all over the world listening to this um you know most of you in you are are in the united states and canada but i mean to to see people listening from like europe and brazil and stuff it it, it bugs me out man it's crazy like it's it, in a good way like it's just so awesome to know that um uh the show is having that kind of reach and that people are checking it out in other parts around the world you know what i mean like the last thing i thought when i was five years old is that somebody in europe would hear my voice and you know, maybe it would help make their day better, you know, um, or inspire them, you know, to pick up an instrument or, you know, to, to, you know, get into exercising or read more, set goals for themselves, you know, when they hear stories about persevering and moving forward on this show. Like, you know, however you guys connect with this show, man, and, and I hope it's in a positive way because that's the goal. Like, just know how much it means to me that all of you are listening. It's been great to see the show grow. I do it because I love to do it and I want it to grow and I want it to connect with people. And so, you know, Doug's words meant a lot. His conversation meant a lot. I really enjoyed our time. So I really hope you guys go support him again at Cohill Music at D Highs Thirty One. The links are in the podcast description. I also want to give a shout out to all of the artists that were featured on Volume One. Maybe next year, Devil in the Details, Rival Town, In Fear and Faith, In Case We Crash, Nightwell, Saving Vice, and Tiger Wine. It really is a great listen front to back, y'all. I'm a big fan of the guitar, as as some of you may know or may not know. I love the guitar. I've been attracted to that instrument since I was a little kid, and the guitar tones on this this record are awesome. The riffs are awesome. And again, it's got a little bit of something for everybody. I mean, post-hardcore, pop-punk, alternative, emo, hard rock, metalcore, and it's all thrown in a blender, and each song stands on its own, but it also comes together so well as an EP, so... Make sure you go check it out. And again, you can follow me on Instagram at March4thPod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman. The host site is march4th.podbean.com. My link tree is in the podcast description. So if you guys want to learn a little bit more about me, if this is your first time listening to the show, you can go to my link tree, check out my bio, look at past music feature stories that I've written, look at past episodes, listen to past episodes. So, you know, if you enjoy the show, give me a shout, man. Uh, I check I check my direct messages. Um, I try to pride myself in getting back to people, you know. So uh haven't really had too many trolls yet, you know what I mean, uh, which is good. Um, most of it's been positive vibes, man. So if you dug the show, even though I hate begging for likes and all that stuff, at the same time, if you go to Apple, leave a review and leave a rating for the show – It helps the podcast rank higher and ultimately then these conversations get out to more people and that's what we want. I want as many people as possible to check out Doug's music. So if you would be so kind and you dug the show and you dug Doug, pun intended, dad joke, hashtag dad joke. Um, If you dug the show, tell a friend, tell a friend to tell a friend, like, subscribe because we've got more fun content coming. And um, yeah, I want this puppy to grow and just be a positive wave for all of you when you listen to it, man. So I appreciate y'all. I'm going to wrap up this bad boy by saying keep the faith and be kind to one another. Courtesy of my man Doug, here is the song Edge of Collapse featuring Tyler Small of Saving Vice off of Volume 1 maybe next year from Co Hill. Peace. (laughs)